Hey, what's up, everyone? Travis and John here with the intro to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. As usual, we have a very special guest on this episode. If it looks like we changed clothes, it's because it's a couple days later. We got a little busy and completely forgot to record the intro right after the episode. I and mean, it was only a day later. Yeah, and I was a little drunk also during that. We we drank. What was the, what was the beverage? Oh, uh, that, that was uh, some Four Monkeys Scotch. Yeah, it was uh it was intense. It yep. was it was good though. I've never I don't I, I just recently started drinking like whiskey straight, tell you the truth. Before that it was just I mean it's a weight loss tip. If you if you wanna cut down on the calories and you don't want to upset stomach, then scotch and whiskey, you know, that's the way to go. I don't know if that's true or not. Someone wants someone wants to fact check that. <laughs> no, but we have a special guest, like I said. We have uh, Adolfo Ferranda. He is the host of the Forever White Belt podcast. If you guys have not heard his podcast before, all the information will be down in the description below in the podcast notes and on the YouTube channel too. Uh, I'll link everything for his podcast. But it's great. Uh, he is a fantastic guy. Super down to earth. He's kind of the same realm of Rick Ellis, who we just had on the podcast, which I didn't think that they were going to have so much um, similarities, but he mentioned it from the get go that, you know, he, he really enjoyed the episode. How would you like that? I really liked it. Uh, you know, it was an easy guy to like, and I think everyone will kind of relate to his story a little bit, especially when he talks about some jujitsu drive bys. But yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'll let you guys listen to that. Yeah, yeah. There's just some of the things we cover. Yeah. <laughs> he talks about, uh, getting his foot in the door, finally taking that, you know, that, that leap of faith into jujitsu, going through a major injury, being older in jujitsu once again, and, you know, just kind of like staying motivated while, while in jujitsu. Uh, it's, it's a great episode. We could have gone on forever and ever, but I think, I think everyone at home enjoys the one hour <laughs> episodes instead of multi-hour episodes, to tell you the truth. So, uh, but if you guys would like to go check him out, once again, that is Forever White Belt Podcast. He has nothing but phenomenal guests on there also. Some of the biggest names in jiu-jitsu uh, have been on his show. I'm actually kind of jealous at, at some points because he, he gets some people. I'm like, I don't even know who that is, but it looks like they're pretty <laughs> popular. So, um, But with that, we're going to go ahead and send you guys over to the episode. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. We're Elbows Tight Podcast everywhere, elbowstight.com. Go to our YouTube page. Our YouTube page I've been posting a lot more on. If you guys haven't seen, we have shorts, clips, full episodes. We're going to be having technique coming out soon. And also, we have a surprise in the mail coming to us that we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. So also, don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple uh, iTunes podcast because it helps get us out there and puts us in the algorithm so more people can see us. Um, but other than that, John, you got anything? I don't. Enjoy the listen. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you later. Peace. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis and John. John, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm pretty sore. How are you doing? I'm pretty... I'm not sore because I wasn't underneath me for the oh, seminar. Oh, all right. That's true. <laughs> Where you, what are you sore from? I think you crushing my chest what? most of the day I today. Know. I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, we had to do some neon belly drills, and I felt kind of bad for a second because um, Arthur uh, Russ... or Ruff. Ruff. Arthur, Arthur Ruff, he came... So our, our school did a free seminar with us and whatnot. And he's like, I want you guys to do the neon belly from side to side. And he's like, I don't want you to do where you just windshield wiper or the knee to and whatnot. He's like, I want you to get air and like jump over the person. And so uh, I might have <laughs> accidentally got a little too hot with one of my knees and jammed it straight into straight into John's sternum yeah. and ribs. It was weird. He was smiling when he did it, but he what? said it was accidental. I, I would never <laughs> do that. I did. 
<laughs> so, but for today's interview, uh, we have a very special guest. His name is Adolfo Ferranda. He runs the Forever White Belt podcast. Easily my favorite favorite podcast for jiu-jitsu. Probably the, honestly the only one I listen to is is his show. And there's a reason behind it because he is a fantastic interviewer, has amazing guests and whatnot. And we were lucky enough to have him today. So how are you doing today, Adolfo? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Totally appreciate this. No, no problem at all. I, I appreciate you having me on your show. If you guys haven't listened to that episode yet, please go check out his his podcast. I was on it. Uh, definite, I talk about it. I definitely had imposter syndrome on it. So no, yeah. it, it was on, good. Man. I listened to it, and it was weird. Travis made us ask for autographs for a good solid week <laughs> after that. Just 8 by 10 glossies at the Academy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you know who you're talking to? I, I, I've been <laughs> exactly. on a podcast, someone else's podcast. All right. So, But hey, without any further ado, let's go ahead. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself for us, for the people at home, and give us a little bit of background of how you got into jiu-jitsu? Sure. So, like Travis said, I'm Adolfo Fronda. I'm a 51-year-old two-stripe blue belt at this point. Um, you know, just like it's the typical story. Like, uh, you know, whenever we interview anyone, it's, you know, UFC and and the old stuff that we've seen, the fights and stuff. And um, it's funny because as a kid, you know, we all tried different forms of karate, kung fu, at least if you're in my demographic. And, um, you know, I just – I wasn't into getting hit all the time and kicked and punched and that just wasn't my jam. Plus, I was kind of a smaller, in-between kind of sized guy always and um, not – I was like Joe Average, if you will. Average everything, right? Just standard guy. <laughs> Very bland man. Um, so I never really excelled at that kind of stuff. And then when I saw obviously the UFC and the success that, you know, Hoist was having and that kind of thing, I'm like, oh, this is intriguing. You know, this, this is, um, this isn't as hardcore, it seemed at the time as wrestling. Um, but I like the no impact time in terms of kicking and all that stuff. So that I gravitated to that a lot. Uh, I kept, I was a lurker for several years, like in terms of just like, doing YouTube searches on jiu-jitsu and that kind of thing. And early on, it was, you know, really kind of questionable sort of jiu-jitsu material on YouTube in the very beginning days. And then, um, you know, going from there and actually calling academies. And I was always one of those freaks that needed to be over-prepared uh, for everything. So I was always asking <laughs> in terms of logistics and all these things. And then I just wouldn't show up, right? I was just sort of chicken out. <laughs> and just oftentimes driving in front of academies and, and that whole thing. And... uh Finally, at one point, I, I um, got the courage. It was a place near my work. Uh, Home Lomelo is a black belt under uh, Hoyler. And uh, I went in one day, and he was a gentleman to me, and he was great. And uh, went from there, and I, I had a, just a fantastic time. And, and I thought, you know, hey, I can do this. And that was like in my 40s, you know, when when I went in for the first time. So you, you, you walked in, and you had – been kind of window shopping for for a couple of years, I guess you could <laughs> yeah. say, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. What what was that final? I just got to do it thing. Was it the school close to work? Like it was kind of like a convenience thing, or was it you just kind of like I just got to go? There's there, there's no reason for me to to keep procrastinating on this. Yeah, I think that was it, that was it. It was the whole procrastination thing, and as I don't know, I think all of us sort of have this weird draw to jujitsu, especially when you've stayed into it past, let's say, even the late stages of white belt, right? Um, you just, you, I was compelled to go for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was this thing like, I, I got to do this. I just, I have to do this. And um, which is, which is really weird when you find that thing, which is like your thing. Right. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, the proximity of the academy to my work, which was only a few blocks away, was a big help too. Um, there were academies near where I lived in San Francisco at the time too. Um, Gilbert Melendez had El Nino down the street from me. Um, he was a UFC fighter champion, if you guys don't know, uh, sometime back. And um, I went there. He was a total gentleman once. But I literally walked in, talked to him. And I said, uh, he had just opened El Nino Academy. And um, and I saw these, you know, they had the octagon in his place. And and I'm like, wow, this is kind of scary, you know. <laughs> and But they're really nice. And then I walked out. <laughs> I never went back, unfortunately, or fortunately. I don't know. But then I went to Home Lomelo's up in, uh, you know, near my, near my work. And yeah, it was a very welcoming environment, and uh, he knew what he was getting when I walked in the door. You know, it was a very different type of demographic, um, but it was nice to see you know working people there, and um, you know just all the different types of uh, people that were there. And I thought, you know, I can I can work with this, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I just felt compelled to do it all. And you know, as me and Travis had talked about on the on my podcast too, I was a nightmare at first to uh, to roll with because I was just you know. <laughs> Very spazzy, as you could say, you know. I can totally re- relate to the drive-bys because when I was in San Diego looking for a place to train, I would drive by, look at them, and I would talk to them online first. And then I'd go drive by and I was like, nope, not going there. <laughs> nope, really? not going there. Oh, good. It's not just me then. <laughs> yeah, and I like to do my research too. Before competing, I went and watched everyone else compete, took notes, wow. and then I was like, all right, next time I'll do it. So I, cause I just learned from watching them, but same way. Absolutely. Yeah, John was about the same age. Um, as, as you mentioned, you were in your, what, 41 is when you started, and John started 30... 39, 39 right, right before old. I turned 40. Yeah, it was like uh, right before he turned 40, and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe you guys can relate on, what what was it that just, the that nipped you in, in the butt, especially so late, um, or as some would say, later in life, what was it after your first class that kind of grabbed you the most? I think it was that, you know, I could, I could do, I could do, you know, some things, I could pull off some things, whether it was just, you know, um, a basic shrimp or a frame or, you know, something like that. Um, and, and honestly, it was just something in my head at this point going, you know, I'm on the back nine of my life, sort of, you know, and I'm like, I just, I need to get this done. I need to stick with this and not quit because it's funny because I just talked to a guest who I interviewed on my show, Michael Courier, um, who's a fantastic black belt. And he's the first guy that I've talked to when uh, one of the questions I ask oftentimes is, um, you know, have you ever thought of quitting? And he's like, oh, yeah, I was a quitter. You know, I was totally a quitter. He's like, I was a basically professional gymnast and and all this all this stuff and I quit this and I quit that I could have been like a D1 wrestler or whatever the hell and I quit this and I'm like oh my god finally I found someone else you know I was one of these guys where I'd start something and I was okay at it like I said I was average guy right and and I'm like well maybe it's not for me I'm not the best at it so you know I'll move on to the next thing so my joke with a lot of my friends is that you open my closet and you see the karate gi the unicycle the juggling things you know all these things that you you know <laughs> try to quit right and um, it was just this this thing. I'm like, this time I made the decision that I'm not going to quit this thing, and I'm so glad I didn't, you know, because I love it, you know. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a, a karate. Gi. Did you do other martial arts growing up, and then you kind of were always in the spectrum of martial arts, and then took a hiatus, and then found yourself in it again with jujitsu? 
Yeah, yeah. So there was uh, kung fu and karate early on, you know. But again, it was like, you know, I was a smaller guy and I was – a lot of my peers, they, I mean, they had mustaches when they were in elementary school, you know, and, and muscles and stuff like that. And I was like the opposite, CRT, baby. you know, guy. You know, it's, it's just insane. I'm like, I cannot, you know, hang with these guys who are like, you know, kicking and punching me through through walls here. I'm like, this is not for me. And, um, you know, that's the kind of mindset that gets in, infected, in, unfortunately, in some people, you know, that you see. And then other people, you know, persevere through those things. And, and a lot of the people that we interview and stuff like that, right? Um, and it's uh, – and then you learn. You're like, oh, wow, you got to stick to it. You know, I've heard you guys talk before too. Sometimes, uh, you know, I, I got smashed or I, or someone pulled something off on me and I thought, oh, I got to learn this. You know, this is awesome. I got to learn this. Yeah. Where I – I came from the other perspective. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, he did this to me. This isn't for me. You know what I mean? Just a, <laughs> just a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, my son is very much like that. When he first started, he would get mm. discouraged a lot, and he would we would leave class, and he's like, how do I stop these people from doing this? Like, I'm, I'm not getting any better kind of thing. And it's like, look, man, like... It's, it's it's not it's not you're not not everyone's gonna be natural at it unfortunately mm-hmm. right but mm-hmm. it's sure. it's the perseverance like you mentioned like you just gotta you just gotta keep trying you know and mm-hmm. like what was your motivation to to keep going even though like you mentioned you were kind of uh on the side the, the spectrum of like man i'm i'm just getting my butt kicked yeah, I, it wasn't it, no punches and kicks. That was huge, right? So, it, and it, you know, uh, I think I've heard someone describe Marcelo. You know, Marcelo Garcia is like he's is expert at this kinetic language, and and I really felt that too the first time I did it too. I'm like, we can have this conversation on the mats where I, I'm not we're not hurting each other because I'm not big on hurting people too. Is, is one of my faults. I think is one of my things. Um, but also, you know, I can tap out, right? I can choose my, where my limit is. And, um, you know, my limit was here. And then as we go through the years of this thing, you know, it it, it can change, right? You you can adapt or whatever too. So I thought that was a, a beautiful thing. Plus it was so – it's so cerebral too, you know what I mean? Like when uh, when you're going every, through everything, when you can finally observe what's happening <laughs> at the early stages, not that I'm on its sort of late stage of this and, and start seeing <laughs> – you know, oh, wow. You're, Look, you got your I second strike, man. You're see. a very seasoned blue yeah, belt. Yeah, you're, you're killing it right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> you you got got your, you're a two-stripe white belt. You're right up, or a two-stripe blue belt. You're right up How there, dare man. you, like, Travis? I know what's going through your head. salty. <laughs> it is interesting, though, what drives us to continue, right? It's true. Like, you know, it's interesting. It's like what we talked about during the Nathan Orchard podcast. Uh, I just repurposed this and put it out on YouTube. But, it, you know, we were talking about our definition of what a badass is, right? It's like at, before mm-hmm. uh, seeing a badass, like someone that's like holds their head up high. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, man, that guy looks tough. It's like Bam Bam Bigelow. I'm like, yeah. damn, that dude's Yeah, right? <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow. And he needs major pain. Yeah. He didn't look like a badass. If you guys don't know who Bam Bam Bigelow is, <laughs> she's too young. Uh, but no, so, <laughs> so but it's the now our definition is the the guy that just like when he comes to class and you know he's just the smaller guy he he's not he's not the best at jujitsu but the guy shows up or girl shows up mm. every time they possibly can and puts in the work like that is that's a badass right like that is someone that is like looking life in the head right with the headlights on him like look dude i'm okay like this is going to be the worst thing that happens to me, and and honestly, it's against someone that's better trained than I am. So hopefully, if someone's in the streets with me, they don't know jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you said you started in your early forties, and you're you're in your early fifties now. Uh, mm-hmm. How soon? Well, 
I got to I got to clarify happened? something real quick. Did you start mm-hmm. in your 40s or 50s? Well, that's the thing. So there's some things to this here, right? So I was about to say we were so, cuz he kept saying and I'm like, look, I listened to your first intro on Forever yeah. White Belt. Yeah. And I was like, did it just say he started at 50? And I was like, let me read. Yeah. So, so kind like, of rewind again. <laughs> okay, all right. It was throwing me off. I was like, I, you know, I was like, well, there was a damn. there was a four year right. gap there, and so the thing yeah. was like, you know, I was I was two years at the first academy in San Francisco, and then I had a couple, uh, I had a hernia surgery that I had to do, right? So that side me sidelined me for a little bit, and that was one of the things that got in my head, right? But that can, that's kind of a minor procedure, right? That someone can get through and come back into I don't know anywhere from two to six months or something like that. So there was that. And then shortly after that, I don't know, about a year, maybe six six months after that, I had this gnarly gallstone thing happen in, in me. I was eating I was eating one of those high fat diets, you know, and that everyone does, right? Little did I know, and you know, my my parents and, and my extended family being Catholics, we deny everything. We don't talk about health or anything like that. <laughs> um, and uh I had a proclivity. My family has a proclivity to having gallbladders removed, right? We can't handle like high-fat stuff. So I had a really gnarly case of gallstones, really bad to the point where I was driving on the Golden Gate Bridge and I f- I'm about to pass out. And I'm behind me is like a you know, what a bus, you know, a transit bus. And in front of me is one of those double-decker tourist buses, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass out, you know, driving on the Golden wow. Gate Bridge. This is not good. So I pull over. I'm like, I'm going to make it to this exit. I'm going to make it. I made it to the exit right after the bridge. Um, I get super sick. I think, you know, maybe I got food poisoning or something like that. Um, it goes through the night. My wife, I'm like, no, I'll be fine. My wife's like, let's go to the hospital. Let's go to the hospital. Nah, I'll be fine. I'll work it out. And, you know, I'm in the fetal position in the bathroom for forever. I get to the hospital. They're like, oh, my God, you're in bad shape, man. So they take me right into the hospital. They're like, you know, they're they're assessing everything. And they're realizing that, you know, I need to get this, maybe this gallbladder removed, but it's so bad by all the tests that they've seen, they think it's possibly gangrene inside of me, right? So oh, they're wow. like, they, they might not be able to clean out all the stones. I know we're getting a bit gnarly here, but so be it. And um, so they're not sure if they want to go through the procedures because they don't, they don't know if they can sort of clean it all out because it might have just been all inside of me at this point, right? So they don't know if it's worth opening me up. So they keep it, me in the hospital for like five days, and for those five days, I'm they're not allowing me to eat. Right, I'm on a water diet, so I'm oh, fasted man. for five days, and so by the fifth day, <laughs> I'm super gaunt, obviously, right? And I'm begging them, I'm please get this out of me or feed me, you know, because I just can't, I can't deal anymore. Laying laying here, just do it. And um, the the surgeons were all, you know, they were all conferring with each other and the other surgeons in the local area. All these crazy experts, and they're finally okay. We got it. We got. Let's do it. Let's get it out. And they got it out. The next that hosp that next meal was the greatest meal of my life. It was just like almost like an air, <laughs> airplane food meal. I'm like, type was of it thing. Salisbury steak and mashed potatoes? <laughs> yeah. That's oh, all I'm it was like, from the like French toast and scrambled <laughs> eggs and the little cup of yogurt. You know, it was it was nothing, but it was yeah, like yeah. heaven to me, man. But anyways, uh, <laughs> long sure. story long. They, uh, you know, that took a while to come back from that one because that was a pretty gnarly surgery, and I got a pretty big scar and it, it took a long time. So that was my like sort of two year gap there of where I'm, I'm like, all right, jujitsu is probably out of the cards, you know, cause I'm just so, you know, I'm injury prone. I'm like surgery prone here. And then you get that, that itch. And I got that calling again, you know, in my later forties, right. In my 
50 at this point or whatever. And uh, so there was that four-year gap. And uh, yeah, so I went back and went to here in Nevada and Marin County and North Bay Jiu-Jitsu under Trifon Stephopoulos. And uh, he was fantastic. And again, there's, you know, like at most academies, there's people of all ages and kids and, and everything. And you're like, all right, let's see if they, they'll ease me into it. And you're, you're, you know, working a lot smarter at that point, And then you're going super hard like we did today, you know. <laughs> so have you have after your surgery, have you had any like side effects or weaknesses that you can feel in your because with a, a scar that big, is your core strength affected by it? Can you not do certain things because of it or is are you perfectly OK now? You know, it's um, it's funny you ask that because I've had debates online with a lot of, you know, a lot of jujitsu experts in terms of grappling dummies, right? Grappling dummies is always a, a, a thing a lot of – for whatever reason we get contentious about. It's really ridiculous. But it served a huge purpose for me and for someone who had – who's coming back from a gnarly injury in terms of just to test out what you can and can't sort of take, right? So it's really cool in terms of uh, – you know, I've had rib injuries and all these things. It's like, how much can I lift? How much can I twist? Can I pull a knee slide off? Can I have a guy on side control on me? Or uh, I have a very heavy grappling dummy. It's very expensive and very heavy. And, uh, and so I'm testing all this stuff. And, and so you, there were degrees of where I can't, I can't do this this month. I, oh, wow, I can do it this month. And I can't do that this month, right? So these little iterations with the grappling dummy that really helped. And with obviously with training partners too, eventually. But uh, you were that guy, right? So you were that guy who was kind of like, can, can we go light? You know, can we go easy? You know, can we go? <laughs> yeah. Can you not like lay on me, but I can, you know, squash you or, you know what I mean? So it, it was a really interesting process coming back from that. So what what was your biggest lesson learned since since that surgery? Do you do you kind of train a little bit softer? Well, I don't want to say softer. I don't want to insult mm. you. But do you train like a little bit more smarter now? And you're like, look, like I got – especially being in your early 50s, mm -hmm. you know, has that affected your, your training at all? Or do you have the days like you do today where you're just like – Look, I'm getting after it. Like we're we're going, boys. <laughs> I'm I'm pr I'm pretty much a hundred percent now, right? So I'm I'm back, and and if anything, those things really help you emphasize on things like you know just being fit to some extent, right? Or go, going to jujitsu regularly in in order to get sort of jujitsu fit, right? If if you're not doing a lot of strength training or something like that, which I'm not, you know, doing a lot of strength training, and I'm actually look to you guys for a lot of that information too. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm pretty much back to normal and, and uh, going as hard as I can. But in terms of being a middle-aged, you know, practitioner, yeah, I have to choose my partners carefully, and I have to, you know, view them uh, pretty pretty closely at first because I didn't I didn't for a long time. And when I got back into it, and I felt like I could go, I, I felt like I was trying to go like I'm a 20 or 30 year old again, you know, and and uh, yeah, and that that just doesn't, you know, I'm in for the marathon at this point, so. It's uh, every day is different. You know, there's light days, there's hard days, there's in between days. Um, it's very nuanced at this age. That's an interesting point you bring up because I'm in the same situation, right? And luckily, uh, the black belt we're under same age as me. So when he mm. talks, he's like, "Hey, you got to use structure. You know, you got to be mm. sound. You got to have excellent technique." And I'm like, "Man, yeah, he's absolutely right." And uh, you know, I find myself wanting to roll hard with the guys that are in their 20s and 30s and I, I might be a hundred percent, but it's still different. And, uh, it, you're right. It's, it's real interesting at this point. I'm real picky on my rolling partners mm -hmm. and, uh, I just try to be as safe as I possibly can when I'm rolling at this point. 
So what what do you do, John? Maybe maybe Adolfo can take something from it, or maybe you could take something from Adolfo. Like, what do you yeah. do besides picking the your best part, like the best partner possible? Like, what other things are in your head when you're doing it? Well, well I mean, honestly, I try to be. I guess when I'm rolling and it's a really big guy, like uh, my partners the last couple of days have been 240, 250, six foot two, mm-hmm. six foot three. I'm not that big. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm about 175, 180 right now, and I'm 5'7". Uh, for one, I try to stay mm-hmm. not underneath them. And I, I try mm-hmm. to I try to brace as much as I can. I use my knees and elbows, and I set up blocks, and I keep the weight off of me. And, you know, I, I honestly, I just try to tire them out. I let them attack the whole time, mm-hmm. and then I'll move from there. But, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting point you bring up. I just think as you get older, and Billy, I don't know if you've listened to any of our podcasts with Billy. I take a lot from Billy. He rolls with pretty much everyone. In his, he's in his 50s, mm-hmm. and uh, he's real smart when he rolls. He picks his partners. He's very defensive, and I just I feel yeah. like you have to do that if you want to stay in it for the long term. Yeah, it's it's funny how I've, it does. It does a lot, and you know, I I can relate because it's yeah. I, I put a, a heavy focus on defensive BJJ at this point, right? Too. Um, at first, it was all I thought. I have to learn the offense. I have to learn the submissions, and you know, as we all gravitate towards that, um, the you know, it's it's funny because I had a brand new day one white belt ask me. Um, he was just signing up the other day and he's like, what kind of advice would you give me? You know, and, and it's weird to sort of try to give someone like that a succinct answer because in your head you have, you might have that narrative, but it, but it changes all the time, right? Based on your age, your weight, your gender and, and all kinds of, you know, factors. Um, but so I just told him from within the context of what, where I'm at right now, right? I'm like, yeah, defense, defense, survival frames, breathing, right? Um, cardio, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it, it's so important. You know, I, I've gotten proficient at, at the turtle now of all things, right? I've watched a lot <laughs> of black Actually, a couple times today with yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's surprising. It's surprisingly nuanced, right? That, that whole game. I've studied a lot of Preet Mikkelsen's game. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He's, he's really popularized uh, a lot of turtle in these various sort of defensive positions. And then you realize how how you know how technical that that game can be too, and and just how many bad actually turtles there are out there, right? And how <laughs> how far you can really survive. And and um, I, I don't know. It's just it's been a really interesting perspective because that that opens up other possible attacks too. Once you escape those kind of things. From, so yeah, with big guys or you know as you mentioned, I'm I'm 170 as well. Right? I'm vastly between 165, 170, typically in the 170 range, and. Um, so yeah, I'm getting in a lot of that defensive type of positions if I have to go with someone heavier, right? Which is often. Um, so often I'm playing turtle. I'm you know scrambling out of turtles into other kind of positions, maybe open guard kind of stuff. So it's learning that type of defensive stuff and transitions, which have uh, really benefited someone like me in uh, at this point in my life. So t- touching on your game, how one? How was your game evolved, and what is mm-hmm. your game now? Like. Like, how do you bait people or what, what's your go-to kind of thing? You know, I, um, I, I tend to – now I'm a big sort of proponent of uh, take, you know, take what they give you kind of thing, right? Um, but I find myself a lot in the side guard, oddly, oddly enough. So when you're in like this clothes guard position, you shift your hips just slightly, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you, you can sometimes get that two-on-one 
Um, Michael Liera Jr. actually is fantastic at this. And um, and then suddenly you're on the side of him. And I'm built like a troll in that I have this very short sort of torso, like maybe two feet high. And my legs are about seven feet long. You know, so I can do this thing where where I'm sort of on the side of you and I can grip your your armpit on your far side there and my leg can wrap around. And if your leg doesn't get far enough away and it's, and it's sort of difficult, there's a really great chance that I'm going to I'm going to get out of that position or I'm going to get your back. Right. Or I'm going to get on your back. So this this side guard position is, is just a fascinating thing. And also from there, you know, there's Uma Plata. There's all kinds of stuff. Right. That really weird stuff that. um yeah, some other people have taught me. So yeah, I, I really enjoy you, the the side guard game a lot. You've been playing any butterfly? Because I'm with you. I do a lot of side guard, but now I'm trying to transition into a lot of butterfly. You know, not so much. I tried it for a while because I was watching a lot of what Adam Wardinsky was doing, right? And and I was so inspired by that. You know, that sort of old school butterfly um, type of game, and it's been modernized too. And, and into fantastic success for someone like him. And, uh, you know, I've tried and I just, I haven't gotten proficient at it quite yet, you know, oddly enough. And, and there's like something with having that big guy on you. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I feel like for us, it's a, it's a good thing to really work on, uh, older mm-hmm. than normally bigger guys. So we're kind of mm-hmm. always in that position and it's really good. I mean, I've been trying to work on it a lot. Sometimes yeah. it works, but if they're too big, I get smashed. But <laughs> I'm sure that's me and bad technique. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's let's kind of. Uh, well, actually, I completely forgot. What is your beverage of the day? We're, we're, yeah, you... we're about half an hour into it, and we forgot your beverage of the day. I was gonna. All right. The end. Look how beautiful that that's is. A fancy can. Yeah, we got what a fancy can here. This is a uh, Mason Aleworks out of. Uh, this is a double hazy double IPA. Out of, uh, I think they're out of San Diego or something like that. So it's oh, all right. Yeah, Mason Ale works. Kind of like a rat rod. Uh, That's what image. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. It's like an eight percent. You know, it's it's a uh, it's tasty. Man. An eight wow, percent. Look, man, I'm good. not gonna lie to you. I'm a lightweight nowadays. Anything over six and a half. You're baking bread I'm, I'm, with that idea. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so let, let's talk about your 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 podcast a little bit. What you've created content before. Uh, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I, I found that you had a podcast before uh, mm-hmm. Forever White Belt. Um, you did a little bit of like a, a tech review thing, right? Or comic yeah. book, I think it was. Or um, yeah. It so was, what, uh, what led you into wanting to start a, a jujitsu podcast? Yeah, so I, I love just producing stuff, right? So if uh, I just like creating stuff, so if I've experimented since the first dot com kind of thing, you know, I'm a, I'm a techie by nature. I'm originally a, a web developer from a hundred years ago, and um, yeah, I had a, a an old podcast from since two thousand eight called Nerd Stalker, and we would cover the early days of the tech startups and back then like Netscape and go to Apple events and and all these things and review all this stuff. Um, so. We did a podcast, cast, did some YouTube stuff as well. And um, so I got proficient at doing that for a really long time. And then obviously with the, with the jujitsu thing, having fallen in love with it and then, you know, COVID hits too and what else do we have to do? Um, start creating some content there and, and let's see what goes from there. I, I'm a big fan of jujitsu podcasts. I listened to several of them and, you know, I've whittled them down to the few that I can kind of relate with now, you know, uh, Elbow's Type being one of them. 
And uh, yeah, so I, I just love doing it. I love meeting people. I, I really like people. And, you know, everyone has a really cool story, you know, whether they think they don't or they, they always do, right? So these questions oftentimes just sort of prompt these, you know, I, I, oftentimes I'm just, I like to be an observer, right? I let them sort of go, you guys are really have the art of the conversation, which is fantastic and amazing <laughs> talent unto itself. But um, I, I, you know, I just go from there and I, I like to extract that content that content and that gold from from those people because they're the experts you know they're the ones with all the the years of experience what and whatever it may be or their philosophies that are much more articulate and much more intelligent than myself you know presumably <laughs> well, most of the time they are well, so, I, well I was listening to your podcast today right because I'm, i was trying to internet stalk you right before this started <laughs> yeah sure so I was like travis send me some stuff so i can check it out right and I was <laughs> yeah like, man, you don't, I, I couldn't find it I was, I was thinking man you're really eloquent and clear on your podcast and that's nice i was like you know very professional oh, very clear i was like man he does not sound anything like me he was very <laughs> yeah you know it was, it was good i <laughs> like god but you know <laughs> It, it was good. No, I, I told Thank actually you. told Thank Dolfo, uh after if you guys ha- like I, I can't say enough. If you guys haven't listened to Forever White Belt podcast, you're missing out. Um, there, it's his, his production quality and everything is just fantastic. And one of the things that he does that I try to change on our podcast is give a better description of the guest and kind of like what went on with the episode. Uh, Adolfo does a whole monologue of the the episode beforehand usually about a minute and a half two minutes and it's it's great because you're like like john said you're very articulate you know you choose your words very very selectively and it's great because i'm like man our podcast sucks <laughs> well that not i felt like he was a real no. kindred like the same reason we started the podcast it's like mm-hmm. real people real jujitsu yep. what are the struggles right. what are we dealing yeah. with and you know what are we doing about it? And, you know, right. I felt like that was pretty much the same thing with yours. Yeah. yeah so was, with was, yours, why why didn't you go for why'd you go? Because you ours was started uh, kind of like to document our our journey and talk to mm. other people and and find their struggles and hopefully find that commonality and that common ground between mm. brand new practitioners or someone going mm. through the blue belt blues and then mm. be like, oh man, this person literally is speaking to my heart right now. Uh, when you thought of doing your podcast, was it more of, I want to interview people and just hear their story? Or is there, is there a, a person that you're kind of making it for? Yeah. Um, there was, there's a couple things. So from with Nerdstalker, I learned that a lot of these things are, you know, leadership and psychology, right? It, it all sort of boils down to that. And so I found that in jujitsu, there was there was so much uh, to dig up there from from those perspectives, right? From the practitioner is what's their psychology in terms of their like you said your journey, right? Depending on where you are, whether you're you know beginning white belt, that's a, that's an interesting psychological process that you're going through. You know the fears sure. and the expectations of that kind of thing. And with the the champion and the black belt competitors, that's that's a whole other different psychology right oh, there's yeah. the, the, that sports psychology right there's a whole practice to that unto itself and so it, it really intrigued me all those different type of mindsets and 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 the struggles that they go with too we we see them as these super champions and these people that are monsters and they they go to these scary academies that are competition academies like let's say autos or something like that with michael Lira jr and then you you talk to these people and they open up and they tell you you know 
their concerns, their fears or whatever, or oftentimes they're, they're transitioning to other things like a business, right? So open up their own academies. So then you, you learn about things in, in uh, like leadership, right? And what does that entail in terms of being a leader for an academy? And, and then that's a whole sort of realm unto itself, which is really fascinating, right? And then uh, the pra- business practices of, the, of running a business in general or let alone an academy because an academy is a really weird thing. And I often mention this on the podcast is that you're, you're wearing all these different hats, right? So you're the, you're the teacher. You're the jujitsu expert. You're the tax guy. You're the marketing guy. You're the – you know all these different hats you have to wear. Uh, and oftentimes you're also the psychologist too, right? Because you're interacting with all these different people <laughs> with all these different concerns and all these different expectations and uh, it's it's just a it's a really fascinating space to sort of dig into jujitsu, and it seems not untapped, but kind of kind of untapped. I haven't seen a lot of research in terms of psychological research in terms of jujitsu, right? Yeah, no, I I can relate to that because I'm going to college right now for organizational leadership, and we talk a lot mm. about diversity and uh, having organizations with a, an eclectic group of people and the pros and cons of it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the the one thing that I love about jujitsu is no matter where you go, who you are, what you believe, who you love, no matter what, if if there's that simple thing of just, I like choking people, you like choking <laughs> people, you can honestly go anywhere and you get along with just about anyone. You know, like some schools yeah. obviously have like, you know, the brutes and, you know, they're like, I don't want to talk to you, stupid blue belt or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. but it's honestly the, the, the group of people that do jujitsu is so vast. It's, and that's kind of like what you talked about, right? Their, their stories are insane for some of these mm-hmm. people. Like they, they're like, ah, oh, it's not, I'm, I'm not that interesting, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Bro, that's a crazy story. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, people find our story kind of interesting. We're both Navy vets and how we got to where we are and whatnot. Totally. And uh, but it's 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 so interesting the type of people that come into jujitsu. We saw I saw a black belt the other day uh, doing a Carlson Gracie Junior uh, seminar, and I was like, if you saw this guy in the street, you would have no idea this guy is a killer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and that's yeah. what I love about it too. Yeah, yeah that's, that's incredible. That's, that's how I felt at a Gracie seminar, the one we went to years ago. Uh, and I was like, man, some of those people in the room, I'd only been doing jujitsu for maybe a year, and I was like, I would have never thought these guys were straight up. They look like carrot top out there in a gi, and I was yeah. like, I would have never, never thought it, but they were legit. You know, yeah, it's good yeah. stuff. It's have it's you ever amazing. met anyone that you were surprised, kind of like that, to where you're like, oh man. This dude is insane. I would have <laughs> yeah, never abs- guessed. You know, the first academy that I went to, I said, you know, as I mentioned, I was a nightmare beginner, um, super spaz, right? They they would put me with this I, this blue belt, strong young lady <laughs> because I was just a starter, <laughs> right? And I didn't know what I was doing. And she would just I – could, I couldn't believe how, you know, how she would just handle me. Right, because I didn't know anything, and I thought, "Oh, this is gonna be a cakewalk." I watched, you know, Ezekiel's on YouTube or something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so all all day, man. And I was that guy. I was that guy doing that to you know, <laughs> to women and kids and whatever, man. And uh, yeah, and she would handle me. And then at my academy too, we have this this uh, smaller brown belt who's just phenomenal, man. And he's just a little wiry guy. Very, you know, skinny, smaller guy, but man, he he uh, gets the best of some really big guys and just gets position on them all the time, and it's just so inspiring to see that, right? Because you're just like, you think to yourself, I'm never gonna be able to, 
to handle these type of people, right? I'm just a lowly, whatever, white or blue belt or wherever you may think you may be. And I need to stay in this lane. But then you see someone like that and you're like, my goodness, wow. Someday, wow, that's so inspiring, right? Uh, Adolfo, have you competed at all? I've only been in one competition. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it didn't go so great. <laughs> I was uh, I was a bronze medalist out of uh, three people. So <laughs> yeah, that's a, hey, hey, hey Yo, all right, medals all right. a medal, bro. I ain't got yeah. one. I was so. curious <laughs> on. Uh, so I assume I, you I did it to by more. age and weight. Yeah, you yeah. Did it so, by age and weight. Uh, yes and no. So yeah, so it was Masters five, man. And um, the thing was, is I'm I'm light for my age. Usually, usually guys my age are much heavier because that's how metabolism tends to work, right? Usually, so I had to compete two weight classes up, right? So I'm going against Ooh, like wow. two thirty, you know, guys who are two hundred thirty wow. pounds, and I'm a one seventy pounder. And these guys were no joke. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I held up as much as I can, but it was the typical thing where, you know, if yeah. I got impatient. I end up like trying to pull guard or something stupid. And uh, then they, it's just their weight, right, on top of me. And it's, of course, it's Kimura Town for Adolfo at that point, right? So, yeah. <laughs> but, but it was, I was a blast, just curious, man. Uh, well, for your situation, it probably didn't work out so well because they were so large. But that was uh, the first time I went in, and it was someone in my age group and my weight class. So oh, wow. I was curious if that equated to your gym, if you find yourself going with people that are same age, same weight class, or if you're, you know, going up uh, against bigger guys or maybe way younger, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I go, I go all, all over the place. So, you know, there's not, uh, there's not a lot of guys my age at my academy. Um, but there are, there are a few older guys, but sometimes they're in different time classes or something like that. Um, but I am the elder statement, I believe, of the of the academy. Maybe there's like one other, two other guys. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm competing or not competing. I'm training with because these are my training partners, right? Um, with right. young white belts, females sometimes too. You know, sometimes really big guys, and it, the belt ranges. You know, they they vary. You know, all over the place. So yeah, that's kind of it's. it's What's fun your work. average size of your class? Oh, at this point, you know, it's, it's, it's changed since COVID, right? So obviously it was very small. You know, we were huge pre COVID, right? There was tons, uh, tons of people for us. And, um, gosh, he had, I don't even know what the, his count was, maybe a couple hundred or something at one point. And wow. then, uh, That's and insane. then it scaled down, geez, to less, less than 50%, like everyone, right? Um, much less than 50%, I think during COVID. And then we've been, it's been growing fast back up again. Um, I, I don't know the entire numbers, but a typical class size is, I don't know, anywhere from, you know, 10 to 25 people per class, something like that. That's pretty good. I was curious because um, I noticed when I was in San Diego, you know, they have a lot more gyms there. And I'd go to mm, class mm -hmm. and we'd easily have two or three black belts, a bunch of brown belts, mm. a couple purples, mm. a lot of blues in class. Where we're at right now, honestly, um, there's only two gyms in the entire county. So for That's our right. class, it's one black belt, the instructor. <laughs> you right. might have one purple yep. belt, and then it's a couple blues and a bunch of whites. Yeah, and so one brown belt. One brown belt. Cody, wow. the owner, yeah. the brown belt. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and honestly, uh, everyone is homegrown besides Cody. Cody's yeah. the only one that's not home. Well, and uh, Professor Sean is not homegrown, obviously. But uh, everyone in the class are, are purple belts or blue belts. They're, they all started at white in our school. And it, it mm. gives like this... Um, 
we talked about this with Rick Ellis too, because he started at Roy Dean's Academy. He was one of his first students in Bend, Oregon, and he talks about how in how the the atmosphere is so different when everyone starts off on the same foot. And honestly, mm. I, I always say this. I honestly feel like that's the reason why our game is the way it is, is because we started with a large group of people and it was day one for everyone besides <laughs> yeah, yeah. the force right blue belt, brand new purple belt at the time. And uh, yeah. it's, it was, it's, it's quite interesting, but that's, what, that's what such a cool story. Class like in yours, what was the typical class like for you, for you guys? Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it, it's kind of cool looking back now. Yeah, we can relate to that now because, like I said, you know, um, during COVID, we lost so many people, right? So it was like starting over. So it was mm-hmm. like um, all these people coming in That's at baselines, yeah. similar to what you've sort of mentioned. I mean, it's not exactly like your guys' because your story is really fascinating. And I encourage you guys to go listen to Forever White Belt uh, episode with Travis where he goes into this in thank detail because it is a really interesting <laughs> story. Um, but, yeah, so we can relate now. You know, and today was promotion day um, as of this recording right today. Um, so yeah, I want to hear all about that. Uh, so so watching that was was really cool, really inspiring, really moving because it, it does sort of relate to what you said in terms of like all these people that you know decided to go back when they felt safe to go back, right? Um, and sort of how we've grown together now on all these different ages and all these different genders and and uh, and and different skill sets and things like that, right? And and now it's it's really cool to see all these white belts coming in. Thank goodness right <laughs> and uh this growing bigger class of blue belts you know because we were all white belts you know having come in and everyone's sort of ground level and now they've advanced and you know, through this time and all this hard work and then you know everyone else sort of shifting you know and then it sort of gets smaller and smaller as you go up we we have our second black belt now um the trifon's first black belt that he's awarded and uh just a handful, you know, maybe four brown belts and, you know, quite a, quite a few blue belts now and uh, a big, nice group of white belts, healthy group of white belts. So, yeah, it's it's really neat to see sort of this this reset happening in um, what I imagine is a lot of academies. Yeah, probably. So, so you, you guys only have um, two black belts in class right now? Yeah, yeah, that's what it's now. Yeah, the um, – yeah, that's that's where we're at now. I, no, I mean that's – I can't wait till the day where we – some see someone get promoted to black belt in our school. I think that would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So what was, what was testing like for, for you guys today? Was it round Robin King of the Hill? Like Technique, what, what do you have to show? Yeah, no, we don't, we don't, just... we don't test. We don't test. So we're, yeah, oh, really? no, yeah, no Academy that I've been to. Um, a lot of them in, in Northern California, they don't, they don't test, you know. There's not. So when I hear about people testing too, I'm, I'm always and and I believe Roy Roy Dean's stuff. The he's yes. famous for that, right? I watch these beautiful videos yeah, on these tests and these it. grueling these grueling type of uh, endeavors. Yeah. So so with us, it's just one of those things where the black belt is, you know, he he makes the decision of when a different individual and he he'll give them feedback in front of the entire class, right, on promotion day in terms of well, you deserve this because of this, but you need to work on X, Y, and Z, whatever. So there was a lot of uh, iteration there, a lot of feedback, which is you know transparent feedback, which is super important to get often, you know, for someone throughout their uh, their whatever you want to call it, your journey on jujitsu, you know. But yeah, it's a it's a trip that that. To me, it's it's kind of trippy that that some academies test and you know some don't and that whole thing. So, I'd be curious for myself if, I, if anyone tells me I'm testing again, I don't think I'll ever show up. I get so much <laughs> anxiety. 
Like even today I would with imagine the seminar, so, right? man. And and I wonder yeah. if it's just me. So I'm going to a seminar today, and I'm like, I have anxiety over a seminar, and mm-hmm. I'm like, is this everyone? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm driving there, and I'm like trying to take some deep breaths. I'm like, why do I have anxiety going to a seminar? Mm-hmm. And and I don't know what. It, maybe it's just me. I don't know if it's everyone. Same with promotions. If they're mm-hmm. like, hey, you're testing. I'm like, I'm not gonna show up. I'm going somewhere else. I'll be unavailable that day. And that's just <laughs> how I am now. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it is for everyone else. So I'd be curious to know. But do you get any anxiety for seminars, or if you know there's a testing? Um, seminars, not not so much, because I feel like you know it's weird. I, I still go in with that perspective that I'm the I'm the client, right? In, in a way that that it still is sort of a business transaction in a way. And I think a lot of people forget that, right? Oftentimes with jujitsu too, that there is this relation where we are the customers, really, right? It's a business. And your instructor is, you know, is someone you're paying, right, to to teach you in a way. But, you know, you also, you know, share it, – it's weird how things intertwine sometimes. And I think that's what makes jiu-jitsu so, so unique and, and why I think it's such a cool use case study. I wish someone would do a study on this and how <laughs> unique this kind of business practice is, right, because there is a customer aspect to it and a business aspect to it. But there's this personal sort of intertwining as well that gets kind of blurred but with me, yeah, the promotion day, I do, I do get anxiety about that because I go through all these narratives in my head, in terms of like, what, what am I going to get? You know, kind of thing. What if, it, <laughs> what if it gets to this? And you know, I'm, I'm a middle aged man now, so I cry over everything, right? So I'm watching Netflix and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> don't tell or, me, or that. some, don't tell some me commercial. That. Yeah, I, I don't know what's happening to yeah. me, and so, <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I, so I get anxious, and you know what? And I get really emotional when I see peers and what I consider now friends, right? And, and people I really like at the academy getting promoted or, or whatever too, because you've seen their hard work and you've worked with them, right? And you've given them some advice right. too. Absolutely. And you only want the best for them if you know if you're a decent human being, <laughs> and um, and so you get you get emotional. So you, there's all these weird feelings in terms of promotion day or whatever. But but seminars, it's it's more like you know what am I gonna you know what am I gonna take? What's the transactional sort of thing? Am I gonna get a lot from this or not? And I, and I think you guys have more experience with that because I haven't been to a lot of seminars. But um, it's it's tough well, for maybe- me to retain a lot of information in a short periods of time because of my ADD. Uh, well, me too. But maybe I, I, when I think about it, it's more of a uh, fear of expectation. Like, is there a mm-hmm. certain expectation when you're wearing mm-hmm. that blue belt that you should mm-hmm. know this when you go mm-hmm. into those things? And uh, I don't know. Travis, do you feel anything like that? Uh, I think for seminars, no. Not really. Uh, when I'm – well, let me rephrase that. A, a little <laughs> bit in a seminar – not not much. Like I, I'm a very chill person. Like it's like, look, I don't know what I don't know. So I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get upset if like someone's like, you should know this. Like, well, I don't. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. but there is that little bit of, and it's not so much a black belt, right? Because a black belt knows that people learn different things, and there's no there's no set curriculum for any jujitsu belt, right? People get it at different points, knowing different things in different time frames, right? And that's okay, right? So if I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure black belts know, like, look, this guy may have a blue belt on him, 
and he doesn't know a simple thing like this, but that's mm-hmm. okay. He probably just has never taught it, and it wasn't a curriculum for him to get his blue belt. That's okay. Where I do get a little bit of anxiety is when it's a lower belt, and I'm doing the technique with them, and I'm like, I have no idea how to do this, and I have a blue mm-hmm. belt on me, and this guy is mm-hmm. crushing this technique, and I am having a hard time. <laughs> I'm like, God, give him his blue belt. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. like, we need to switch real quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll be honest. That's, that's the time. Jesus, where- please promote him. <laughs> So yeah. I could tap and not feel so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and, that, and that's honestly the time when anxiety comes, or rolling with a, a lower belt to be to be truthful, right? Sometimes you get a little anxiety sure. of like, man, this guy's like really smashing me right now, and you know, it's like, do I do I deserve this blue belt on my waist? And it's like we like everyone always talks about. You have some good days, you have some bad days, you have some yeah. good rolls, you have some bad rolls. Like it's just it, yeah. it just happens. But at seminars, man, I'm like. Yo, I'm a sponge. I'm here to take as much as I possibly can. Don't show me no 16-step Barambolo to Kimura. I told thing. you today. Like, I was like, I'm lost at this point, so <laughs> let's just try to get through it. Do you, do you ever have that kind of anxiety? Like when you're rolling with a lower belt or when you're getting shown something and you don't know it, but you're like, look, man, I got two stripes on my blue belt now. I'm seasoned. You know, people looking at me like a leader in this school. <laughs> like, do you have any anxiety when it comes Whooping to that, up too? on these white belts. I can't. I got to get this. <laughs> Well, I think for me, it goes back to that whole being, you know, the middle age thing where I made that decision where I'm just going to push through this no matter what. You know, I'm just not, this is the one thing that's not going to go in the closet with the, you know, the juggling, the unicycle and the juggling stuff, right? <laughs> so I've kind of like, I've, I've kind of like did the whole effort kind of thing where like, you know, effort, you know, I'm just, if I don't know it, I don't know it, if, you know, whatever. And in terms of just rolling with lower belts or something and they get the, the best of you or whatever. You know, I found oftentimes, like when I was working on my turtle, for instance, right, in this weird, these weird position, defensive positions, I, I'm not announcing it to them as we're rolling, right? I'm not saying, you know, today I'm going to work on on turtle or today I'm going to work on defense, so I'm just going to let you sort of go at me, right? And I'm not going to put up a lot of offense because I'm only working defense. So obviously, they're going to get to a point where they're going to get the best of me, um, but. You know, they and they may think they got the best of me, but really, I'm just working on something. So I, I don't know if there's that formal conversation ever with everyone. You know that because you have to think some people are working on on certain stuff. Otherwise, you're you're just not going to get better. And that's one of the things I love about yeah. jujitsu, right? Is I'm a big fan of like um, the agile sort of methodology, right? In in terms of business and in in workflow and iterating to improvement, right? And jujitsu just seems to be a natural sort of um, correlation with that with that sort of practice as well. And if you practice these things enough and, and you tweak them, you just you slowly get better and incremental every day or you're trying new things and you, you make quick changes so that, hey, I can fix this today. It didn't work tomorrow, whatever. I can change it for this or that. But you're not having this conversation with your training partner usually about every single thing. I remember right. um, one of my lower belts uh, or a lower belt that I was working with um, got the best of me when I was working on some open guard stuff, right, that I'm not particularly great at, some lasso or something like that. And um, he won the the sparring session or whatever, right? And he celebrated, you know, yeah. Afterwards, you know, yeah. And I, I got that ego though inside of me was a little like kind of kind of butthurt <laughs> about that or something, right? Were you flexing and, and on, I'm bro? Like, Wait a second. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, and I wanted to say something. Why isn't anyone telling him that's not cool to celebrate after you know we do this training, whatever practice role or whatever, and and that I'm trying something, you know? But then you just gotta let those things go, you know. You, you really do. <laughs> And you got to remember, you know, even when you think you're getting the best of someone, hey, hey, maybe they were just working on some some weird thing, you know, that they need to get better at. 
I know it's like it's like uh, when white belts brag about tapping a higher belt or something like that, <laughs> and it's like, look, man, <laughs> I hate to break it to you. I, I mean, we, we have some killer white belts. Don't get me wrong. We right? honestly yeah. we do, and, and they've been white belts for probably going on two years. They're easily blue yeah. belts at this point. But you know, sure. it's like that that newer guy. He's been going to class six, seven months. Maybe got a wrestling background. You know what I mean? It's like, and he gets and he gets like a brown belt or a purple belt. You know, the the seasoned purple belt. He's like, bro. I, I got him. I got him. He's like, mm, I, I, honestly, I think he might have let you to tell you the truth, <laughs> or you might have actually got him. You know, yeah. but it's like the whole ego thing. I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I've celebrated after a roll before because I didn't. <laughs> I, I knew it. You I knew it, mean? Travis. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Travis is being nice right now. I can tell you right now, we got a guy. I hope he listens to this. Z, really good wrestler. Yeah. Young kid, mm-hmm. what is he, 21, 22? Yeah, he's, he's about to join the Navy. He's the like last person that's put me in a submission that had me tapped that was legit. He got me in like a mean anaconda. And I'm like, mm. whatever. Like, give this guy his blue belt. <laughs> he nailed that shit. He's got a lot yeah. of... Re- he's good. Like, yeah. you know, he might... Like, you know, sometimes you come into this stuff and you have a lot of experience yep. and you're really good. And, you know... He's wrestled for like... 11, 11, 12 years. So grappling yeah. is grappling, right? And the, the, the yeah. biggest difference between wrestling and grappling is, do you like to lay on your back or not? You know, like, it's like the, yeah. there's a lot of the same positions. There's a lot of the same moves. Uh, a lot of the same moves that just end up to submissions in jiu-jitsu that you can't do in, in wrestling. You know what I mean? But it's the wrestling helps a lot. When I hear someone yeah. say, yeah. I wrestled for 10 years, I'm like, shit. <laughs> Right, right. I know it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I was a black belt in judo, right? And it's another one. (laughs) Yeah, I just did judo for three years, and I'm like, oh my god, great. (laughs) Uh, Looks like yeah, I mean, for the night, I'm pulling guard (laughs) immediately. Conversely, that's one of the things you got to worry about, though, right? Is uh, that blue belt? I mean, I've I've met blue belts that have you know black belt triangles, right? And and they have triangled black belts or brown belts or something like that, right? But that's kind of all they have. You know, it could have been it could have been that. So that's another trap you can get stuck into if you don't you know allow yourself to you know fail or lose to white belts or whatever it may be your concern, right? Yeah, when I first started rolling with our our professor, the the one of the first things he said to me was, "He's like, yeah, I didn't tap you, but you didn't do anything." He's all like, "He's like, so you're not no, you didn't progress at all. You just played super safe." And he's like, "I mean, if you're not trying to get tapped, that's great." He's all like, "But what did you gain from that role?" And I started mm-hmm. to think. I was like, "Oh man, he's right." You know, like I, mm-hmm. I play a very defensive game when I feel like someone's dominating me, and mm-hmm. then I'm like, "Well, at least I didn't get tapped." But at the end of the day. How am I going to get better at mm-hmm. those positions or that person well, dominating me? You know what I mean? Do I you would ever... say that sometimes a victory. If you're rolling against a black belt and he doesn't tap you and you're defensive the whole time, that's kind of a victory. It, I mean, it's a victory, but he was he was trying to, and maybe Adolfo, you can you can uh, like connect with this also. But he was saying like, I, well, I didn't take any risks to get out of the position. I just accepted the position. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? Like, have mm-hmm. you ever been in those moments when you're rolling with someone? You're like, you know what? This guy's just obviously way better than I am. I'm just going to lay here and just try not to die. <laughs> <laughs> there has been that. Yeah. But usually, usually the higher belts, you know, or someone that's much better than you will lay. Well, no, you know, right. They'll, they'll let you work to some extent, or maybe they're working their weak side or, or something like that. Right. And so that's an opportunity for you to, okay, yeah, you can, you can get me when you want or whatever, but you know, you're going to now see what little or what, what I have up to this point. Right. 
Um, maybe I'll try my A game on you and see how far I can get. Um, maybe this isn't the time for me to start playing, you know, the stuff that I'm experimenting with or I need to develop more. I don't know. You know, it's sort of what, what are you going to do there, right? <laughs> right. No, absolutely. So talking about rolling with black belts real quick, uh, this yeah. is something that John and I have talked about is our mindset rolling with a higher belt. Uh, many of them have told us. Don't you know, wrist lock them. It's a bad idea. <laughs> don't wrist lock them. First of all, wrist locks are 100% legal and legit. So if you're listening to this and you don't like wrist locks, you could just go ahead and skip to the next episode. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, when you're rolling with a higher belt, what is your mindset? Are you trying to tap them? Or if say if you do get a submission, are you kind of easing into it and letting it go because you're like, oh, I don't want them to think I got here because I was being too spazzy? Yeah, it 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 depends how high a belt, right? So if we're going against Emma, since we're blue belts, right? Uh, we're going with the purple belt. You're you're trying, right? Typically, right? You're really you're really going for what you can and see what you can accomplish, and you're really going for it. Uh, at brown belt, you're if you're going with the brown belt, then yes, with some caveats in that you you know there's going to be some limitations there. Probably, if if you have a real legit brown belt, right? Brown belts oftentimes are essentially black belts, right? That are just sort of waiting to be a black belt. So there was that, and then more with the black belt, you're just sort of like you're almost displaying what you got in terms for them. They're pretty much assessing you, maybe to some point, or they're using you as a warm up or something like that to some extent too, right? Um, so so yeah, I mean, there, there's expectations, and you realize that. But yeah, there have been times when when I've got like a shoot a brown belt or even you know a purple belt uh in a position where i'm like whoa i got them in this really precarious situation here and i see it on their face and i don't know should i fit should i really go for the finish at this point and that hesitation is usually when yeah, you 100%. when you lose it right yep. or or you get or you give yep. it up out of like respect or something like that but, but that's the just the internal thing. monologue that i get with me you know I, I don't know if everyone's the same way it sounds like you guys have some some uh some relative experience with that too no i definitely agree and that's why i kind of brought it up because there have been times where i felt like i was i was in a position that i probably in my head i didn't deserve because of the person mm. i was rolling with right mm. and it's just like this like this such as dichotomy of like mm. did i earn this position or did they give this position you know what i mean it's mm. like it's like yeah. i want to earn it i don't want to if i'm rolling against someone it, since i'm a colored belt now i want to know that i earned that position i don't want people totally. to give me things really anymore you know what i'm saying and if that's not i don't i don't want to sound egotistical or anything like that but i want to know that hey this blue belt on my belt with these two stripes because we're, i'm seasoned like you are adolfo like <laughs> like i want to know that I, this is on my belt or this is on my waist because i know something you know what i mean like i can mm -hmm. get to these positions i don't need everyone all the time you know what i mean to hand them to mm -hmm. me what about you john how do you feel about it uh i think it's a good point and i've rolled with some um some higher liberal belts mainly black belts and it throws me off because sometimes they'll lay there and it's just like mm -hmm. they're just laying there and i'm mm -hmm. like i don't even mm -hmm. know what to do at this point like i need <laughs> you to fight yeah <laughs> and uh, some I'm some of them I'm friends with, and I'm like, hey man, can you not do that? And can you just let's roll? And uh, mm -hmm. those are the ones that I get the most out of. If they mm -hmm. just lay there and it's kind of like, let me see what this young blue belt or white belt can do. And honestly, it messes me up because I'm like, I need mm -hmm. you to react so I can move forward. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've I've only honestly once or twice rolled with an upper belt where I felt like I had them. And honestly, the reason I stopped is. I felt like it was a respect issue. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, do I really want to do this here? Yeah. Like they Mm -hmm. don't know me. I don't know them. Should I kind of lay off here and say, let them save face. And that's what I ended up doing. How do you handle those situations, Adolfo? Uh, The same way. Yeah. I'm often, it's like this respecting in the back of my, it's just the way I was raised. Right. It's always to respect authority and that kind of thing, you know, and it's this weird thing where I'm like, yeah, I got him in this weird (laughs) position. Yeah. Like you said, lightning struck maybe twice a year or something like that. And I have them maybe in a weird position or something that's not their game, maybe a leg type of entanglement or, or something, some crazy footlock or, or who knows what. And um, they're, they're probably experimenting with some stuff. That's not their thing too. And I have to – or I, I'm thinking this in my head. I need I got to respect what they're doing too. So I'm not necessarily going for the kill. If anything, I'm like – I'm hoping that they, they're watching my game so that they can glean something and, and give me back some feedback to, to improve – you know, what little I know, that's sort of where I'm coming from with it. So we mentioned earlier about kind of uh, a loyalty or mutual respect with, with your, your academy. Do you, I've seen this going on on the internet of people talking about loyalty with, within a school. And, you know, at the end of the day, I am paying someone for their knowledge to teach Ooh, me their knowledge. Interesting. Right? Um, if it's, it is transactional, right? It's not for free. I'm using my heart. It's, it's capitalism, right? It's a beautiful thing, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's a I'm business. Someone yeah. else to, yes. It's a business, right? Um, if I wasn't mm-hmm. paying them for a goods or service, then the it wouldn't be a business, right? Do mm-hmm. you, do you feel like there has to be a loyalty, a certain amount of loyalty to your academy or do you see it as purely transactional or, and does Ooh. that go back and forth? Yeah, I, I think it does. I think there is a, a shade of gray in that too, and, and it depends on the person too. Because we get people that are, you know, that that are tr- they, they travel for a living, right? There, there's pilots, there's you know whatever you have first responders or whatever that come on certain days, and they can only train at different places close to somewhere else or whatever. And so, yeah, cross training is encouraged where we're at, so that's not really a thing. Um, but yeah, you do establish relationships, right? So there is <clears throat> a semblance of connection. To the academy and to the people, which sort of like transcends the business, simple transactional aspect of it too. But that that can't be lost. I think a lot of people tend to lose that, and then it becomes a weird. It can become a weird sensei type of situation, right? Um, yeah. So so yeah, that's that's kind of the place where I come from with it, you know, in that I'm cool with I'm cool with cross training. I haven't done any cross training yet. I would like to, you know, that'd be interesting because i'm not a big traveler or anything especially with the how times have been lately but uh i would love to you know i would love to go to other places and train a bunch we've done that many a times with the podcast especially um mm. trained at other places right. and whatnot yeah you guys and um one, one of the places is here in in, in where we live and mm. we went and trained there he went first and then i went and one of the people at our school was like oh you went and trained there why would you do that and i'm mm. like well, one, I'm trying to get one of their black belts to come on the podcast, and it was an agreement. <laughs> <laughs> like, but and, and two, like, I, I want to go meet other people and share this experience and this journey with them. You know, so yeah. loyalties—that's an interesting topic. Uh, Truth and hypocrisy podcast. That's another one we listen to, and they mm-hmm. they have a, a segment where they talk about loyalty. So I think in me and Travis's case, it's interesting because we're on our third black belt in four years. Third, yep. Where our wow. schools changed, 
That's a lot, right? That's like resetting every time we get a new black belt. They don't know us. They don't know how many times we come to class. They don't know what injuries you may have had you've worked through. They don't know, right? So that's hmm. three resets at this point. And I think we're we're almost four years into this journey. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. So loyalty is interesting. And it, it, the way I've come to it now, my loyalty is not to the instructor. It's to my friends that go to class with me. That's hmm. where my loyalty goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's honestly because of our situation, right? Because, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned, we've had we've had black belts uh, come and go, and and mm-hmm. my my loyalty would be to the school, right? It's yeah, to, it's to, to my to friends, Cody, my you know, fellow like, my yeah. fellow people yeah. on the. If journey. all my friends were to leave the school, you know, or it would close down or whatever, then yeah, I mean, it, it'd be a different situation. But I feel like we are where mm-hmm. we are because of the school and. Because of the owner and whatnot, and I wonder how I mean, unique that situation is. That's I, I, yeah, I would love if you guys at home have had a similar situation. Please hit us up on social media or comment on YouTube or something like that, and let us know if you yeah. had a similar situation. Because I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of, and this is not to trash talk black belts out there or anything like that, but I'm sure there's a lot of shady black belts out there that use their position to get something that they they want and then they dip out on it. You know what I mean? And or, I, or I it's know. just a different type of academy, right? I mean, I went to when right. I was um, when I was evaluating academies to go to um, when I moved out of San Francisco. I went to a particular academy, and day one, a guy he was like a, a new guy. He came in. He was a friend of the instructor, and he immediately went for the this joke on me, right? The old, the old like oh, kind wow, of grabbing yeah. the throat and thumbs in the yeah. esophagus thing kind of thing. And I was looking at the instructor, and I was looking at the students, and I'm like, "What? What's happening here? Is is there? Is this allowed? <laughs> you know, kind of thing." And right. so it's just a, it's a different. There are different cultural dynamics in different academies, obviously, right? And so, um, so, so you can you can make the choice to leave. You know, is the thing at different places. But you guys are in this unique situation where you you were you are where you are. You know, and there's only a couple options, and you've had these. Black belt sort of rotate. That's that's really interesting as opposed to like I'm a business owner. This is my place. This person's a business owner. This is their place, you know, and there's another business owner and there's – you can choose which one to go to as opposed to like you were a student at this one place and the business owner is gone. You know, insert another black belt. Insert another one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very different. Very so, unique. Yeah, it's 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 been an interesting journey for us and I think – it's helped our game, tell you the truth, because when our current professor showed up, he was like, "Man, you guys suck at the basics." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "He's like, you made me laugh." I'm like, "Yeah, here's my belt." Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, "He's like, this is." He's like, "It's not against any of you guys. It's not your fault that you don't know what you don't know." Like we mentioned earlier, right? But he's like, "We're not going to do anything fancy for a long time," and I was like, mm-hmm. "Thank God!" Like because. Uh, COVID hit and Cody was teaching us and he was just kind of doing what he could to, to create a class and give us the best value possible for our dollar in, in a horrible situation around the world. And I'm g- very grateful for that. But when Sean showed up, it was like he had a curriculum. He he knew what he wanted to uh, see and he knew how we wanted to roll. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. When you're doing technique, do you ever try to pull your instructor over to make sure he you get eyes on you at least once, or do you just kind of go through the motions and hopefully you get it from watching him or looking at other people like, oh, you put your arm there. Hey, man, I'm it. like, 
You know, it's um, I, I often uh, tell people I'm like the worst student, right? I'm I'm the worst possible student for any instructor because some people are like visual learners, some people are kinetic learners, some people are like auditory learners, right? They learn by lectures and that kind of thing. I'm like. I'm all three, and I need to do it over and over and over again, right? Because I'm, I'm just, I, you know, all those things. So I'm like, it, it sucks for my teacher because I'm going to be, you know, the first time you show it to me, I'm going to maybe get one part of it, and then I'm going to say, hey, can you show me again? And and then I'm, my poor training partner, I'm going to have to, you know, fumble through it with them too, right? And then, hey, the instructor again. So, you know, kudos to my instructor because it's that whole process over and over again of not only do you have to tell me what to do, you have to show me what to do, and I physically have to do it to this person over and over and over again for one technique of the day or something like that because that's the type of way I learn, right? So that's uh, – right. yeah, it's rough, man. So I'm like, can you move my body in the positions you need it? To <laughs> yes, <do>? and sometimes <laughs> they do. <right? laughs> so it sounds like you, you're okay with asking questions in class. Are, do you never? Are you never one of those? Because I know a, a very junior white belts are brand new. A lot of them are going to be intimidated to ask the instructor mm-hmm. or the professor a question mm-hmm. or to ask to see a technique again. You have no problem with that. I take it. Uh, I mean, I try to keep it to, you know, one or two questions, you know, obviously, because there, there's a point where it's obnoxious, let's face it. But um, yeah, so I try to be respectful of that. But n- no, not really, you know. And and plus, I mean, I'm I'm there every day, right? So I, if not twice a day, and um, because that's what it takes for me, right? So my joke with my instructor also is that I'm, I'm the turtle, right? It's like no one, no one ever picks me first to be on the team, and it's going to take me the longest, right? There's a tur- the old story of the turtle and the hare, right? That kind of thing. I'm right, the turtle, sure. right? I'm that guy that has to show up every day, do it over and over again, and I'm going to incrementally get there, but I'm going to get there, right? That kind of thing. So for me, yeah, it's the grind and the grind and the sparing my questions through multiple classes, you know, as much as I can. So I, I, I bring up asking questions, right? Because on, on your podcast, you've had some phenomenal guests, like absolute legends within uh, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu art. Uh, how, how do you get these people on your show? Are you simply just asking a question? Is it word <laughs> of mouth? Or you know what I mean? Do you hit them up on Instagram repeatedly? Because I know what I do. I hit people up instantly. That's Instagram what I'm like, Travis. How'd you get over. Roy Dean on here? Yeah. How did I, we I, get amazing. this? With Roy Dean, I, I emailed him. I Facebooked him. I Instagrammed him. I, oh my God. I signed up for... Or the strength trainer guys could. that you guys... You guys had he oh, was, yeah, oh yeah yeah he was great oh, yeah my god all those and your, your last guest me. he was amazing under Roy Dean the black belt Rick. gentleman he was fantastic yeah he was yeah he's incredible man he spoke to the soul he spoke to the soul oh yeah. absolutely and it all I love that with just asking the question right so yeah how, is yeah. that how do you get your guest do you just ask the question and you know hope for the best or is there a certain technique that you do <laughs> yeah so it's been a, a combination of things yeah so sometimes it's direct most of the times it's direct right so like you said instagram outreach or something like that hey you know are you interested in being the show blah 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 and then um there are some times when someone's like hey i really i really like the show uh a friend of me referred to this and then and then i'll follow back and say oh wow thank you so much would you consider being on the show that kind of thing right so um yeah, that, usually it's that kind of thing. And and as Travis, as we spoke to before on, on the episode that, that you were a guest on, on my show, was, uh, you know, there's been a lot of like no reactions, right? At times, this is sort of like getting ghosted as well, right? And then there, <laughs> there was actually one gentleman who asked me, you know, oh, so how much does this pay? And I'm like, <laughs> 
And I'm like, what? Not much. You realize this is a jujitsu podcast. Talk talk about the niche. <laughs> the niche. I'm not Joe Rogan, right? bro. Chill out. <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting millions for this. Yeah, man. So yeah, yeah. So usually it's just uh, direct contact, something like that. So I, I've just been really lucky, I think. Um, but what's really cool, you know, and as you guys know, is what what you can learn from these people, right? Um, man, have I learned a lot from them in terms of like just expanding even your game and your mindset of the game and that kind of thing. And sometimes after the show too, they'll they'll talk to me about specific techniques and things like that 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 I'll go and experiment at, at the in the academy with. And and um, just from a selfish perspective, it's it's been incredible. Yeah, I know it's it's awesome because there's always that period before we press record that you guys don't get to see at home, but there's there's times when we just like talk to these people where you know we're we're like they're absolute legends or we look up to them or whatever. And then when we stop recording, people still want to talk. You know, mm. Chris Hanamuni on our our episode, um, he we talked for like half an hour yeah. after we stopped recording. You know what I mean? I was almost like, man, maybe yeah. I should record this and then put this in <laughs> I know. Like paid right. paid content. You know what I mean? And there's yeah, like just, man. people people are so willing to talk. It's, yeah. it's phenomenal. You know, and I, I had a buddy who started a podcast because I have a podcast. And he's like, he's like, man, if Travis can have a podcast, I can have a podcast, right? And yeah. I told him from the get-go, I was like, look, man, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask guests. You know what I mean? John Depp never mm-hmm. asks anyone that's any influential at all, but he tries to be <laughs> here at least. Well, and it's th- mainly because uh, Travis is uh, big into the IT world, I guess, at this point. I don't use Instagram. I don't know any of that stuff. Oh, thank goodness. There's, there's one of you out Facebook. there. <laughs> yeah. So how long does it usually take for you to edit an episode? Oh man, for me, cause it's just me, it's, it's usually a week, you know, and, and, you know, as we spoke to before on the, on the other episode too, it's like, you know, we all have lives, right? We all have families or, or whatever, I mean, responsibilities. Some of us go to school, right? And plus on top of work or whatever, if you're working and plus just training, right? It's, uh, it's a lot of work. I mean, you guys do video too, which is insane. That's one of the things I learned from Nerdstalker is I'm not going to do video, man, for this one. It's just going <laughs> to be audio for now. Eventually, maybe we'll release some video, but. But yeah, uh, just the sheer amount of editing and then the software selection and, and all this stuff and mistakes. You know, as we've mentioned before, there have been episodes where with Sean Roberts, I, I lost everything, right? I lost everything and we had to do a two-over, man. And Sean Roberts being the class act that he is was totally cool with it, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 been an interesting journey and all that stuff. What? What's your biggest guest that said yes, that you were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm actually about to talk to this person? Yeah, God, you know, they're all different in in different ways to me, but um, probably John Thomas, Jonathan Silver Thomas, Fox. maybe. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. yeah, I love Silver Fox, too, but in terms of just uh, social <laughs> popularity or whatever. I was guessing. <laughs> I, 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 I love the Silver Fox. Carl Provac is amazing. You know, he's one of those hidden gems, um, Carl Provac, uh, who's the Silver Fox. He's a Henzo Gracie black belt. He's a hidden gem and a lot of people just in general because he's not this competitive champion. But man, he is uh, so technical and just look, he's an older kind of more thinner guy, right? And um, he is a killer, you know, and and he's he's just phenomenal. And there's a reason for us a hobby has him at TriStar Gym to have him come up and, and do instructionals. I mean he works with GSP and all these people that – and he's famous for his guillotine and and all this stuff. Um, 
so he, he's a he's a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> but but Jonathan Thomas is one of those guys. He's like the complete package, right? He's trained under Lucas Laprie at uh, <clears throat> Alliance. He's competed champion. He's brilliant, really. He's in high intellect. He's incredibly ar- articulate, and um, he's super innovative. And he's super savvy, technically savvy in terms of all these uh, social media and YouTube and and everything. And he's constantly iterating with his YouTube and and everything that he's doing. And that's why he can command so much money now for like these private instructionals or and even seminars that he does. Right? He's built this this empire, if you will, right, all over in Sweden or wherever the hell he is now. Yeah. So he's been a he's been a huge one. So but the, you know, there's been so many. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what what was the hardest person to interview? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I told you in the very beginning that when we weren't recording, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, so um, what would you – like you listen to the show regularly like you said. So what would your one piece of advice be for a brand new white belt? Oh, that's a good one. Out? It's our favorite. Yeah, favorite. Here we that's go, right? Forever yeah, white belts so- got this. <laughs> no, you know, and, and as I as I mentioned before, trying to distill this the other day to the day one white belt, you know, kid who was just signing up was so incredibly difficult because there's so much to think about. But yeah, it's um, you know, it, showing up, right? It's so cliche, right? Showing up, consistency. And there's so much to this. Uh, defense frames, 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 frames will be your friend. Frames, not hugging, not pulling people in. I guess there is a time for that, <laughs> but typically it's going to be frames. And and watch out for your hands when you're framing people. Um, and your cardio, being aware of your breathing, is huge. <clears throat> and just understand that. Um, uh, God, all these cliches. That it's such a it's such a long journey, man. You know, but it's. It's it's so there's so much reward to it. You get so much out of it, right? On so many different levels. It's it's so it's so stimulating physically and mentally too, right? I mean, I feel like I'm doing in the gi. I, I feel like it's a Rubik's cube, right? Mm. When I then I'm doing it live, it's like this kinetic Rubik's cube or something like that. But um, for you white belts out there, yeah, defense, play defense, play defense. Get really good at defense. Show up and play defense. <laughs> John, you got anything else, man? Just breathe. <laughs> That's no, all I, I got. Quest- more no, I don't have any not- questions. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like we're on the same wavelength. I, I think he hit it all. And before he answered that question, I was thinking in my head, I was like, well, this is what I would say. And I was like, oh, well, he said the same thing I'd say. So we're good. Nice. Well, <laughs> nice. hey, Adolfo, uh, it's it's getting kind of late You're over on the West Coast with us. Uh, I don't, I'll be respectful of your time, like you said to me. So thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a, this was a blast. And I would not mind doing this again in the future, just throwing it out there. <laughs> Maybe oh, we could do like you, a weekly you, show. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. We hey, should. Uh, where, where, can people find, where can people find you at? Forever White Belt, you guys go just, you know, go search for Forever White Belt. You'll find us on all the socials and all the places. And thank you so much, you know, John Travis, for your time. It was uh, super fun to be on the show. No, no, thank you so much, man. It was, it was, a, it was a great pleasure of ours. I was greatly looking forward to having you on. So, but, well, guys, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, don't forget to uh, go check out Adolfo's uh, amazing podcast, Forever White Belt podcast. Um and then other than that, I don't have anything else. John? Uh, nope. Got nothing. No oil checks here. Oh, he said it. Dang. I, I, I did it just it for him. I was just messing <laughs> him up. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll have a good night. Later. Cheers. <laughs>